0: Hello and welcome to the Ordinary Church Podcast. This is a podcast about the church and for the church. I'm Connor. I'm here with Mike today and we're excited to be with you. We're going to get right into it. Today on the podcast we are talking about um, how the church should uh, remember and think about those who have passed on to glory. And uh, the example on lots of our minds right now is the passing of Tim Keller. He's with the Lord now and uh, pastor in New York for many years and has had a I would say a pretty wide-reaching impact on the church in America uh, and probably around the world as well. So lots of people are writing about him right now online. Lots of people are maybe thinking about him or talking about him. So using uh, using Tim Keller as an example, Mike, we just want to talk on the podcast today about how the church should process, think about, um, approach the reality of the, some of these notable you know, believers moving on to glory. So when a well-known pastor or kind of beloved figure dies, Uh, how should the church think about that so Mike let me pass it to you actually um yeah just do you have any initial thoughts kind of like what's been on your mind as you've been watching a lot of these even just little articles about Tim Keller you Mm -hmm. know popping up and how, how have you been processing this
1: yes okay let me go big picture first and then I actually this is interesting because um I asked Connor, what, what's, my, what's our topic? And he told me, and I said, I have already got something written about it. So I actually wrote something about some things I learned from Tim Keller um, days ago, pretty much probably the day after or the day he died. And there were so many people posting about it. I actually, and I told Angela this yesterday, my wife Angela, I said, you know, I didn't post it up. They, people didn't need to hear me on this. We were hearing everyone and it runs the gamut. But let me say something bigger picture. And I don't mean this to be negative. I think it's just an observation. Everyone uh, left and right leaning in the Christian community loves to claim people like Keller as their own. Similar to how people like to claim C.S. Lewis as their own, mm. or they they selectively quote Jonathan Edwards or John Owen or even Spurgeon. And, and what I mean by that is often in the Christian community, we have different divergent views. Let's just say end times views. Well, I've heard people claim that Spurgeon had their end times view and then he had someone else, you know, someone else's view. So, well, I don't think he could be a post-mill and an aw-mill and a pre-mill all, you know, at the same time. But that's what, if you listen to certain people. And it seems to me that this also happens when a notable Christian uh, goes on to glory is that uh, as we begin to quote even more so kind of posthumously, we tend to um, use them. John Owen said something interesting right behind me. If you were listening, if you were in my office here, you got Tanner, our tech man, uh, sitting there on one side. You've got Connor opposite me. I'm at my desk, and I turn around, and I see six volumes of, of the works of John Owen. 16, I think. 16 volumes. Did mm-hmm. I say six? Mm-hmm. 16. 16 volumes of the works of John Owen. And in one of those, embedded in one of those, yes, um, several years ago I was working on a dissertation and I was um, two years ago or a year and a half ago and I was immersed in those. Well, there was this one quote that I read that laid me in the dust and I will paraphrase. If you're, if you're going to use me just for a quote, farewell. Owen was saying that to his contemporaries. Don't just come and, and, and take something out of context of what I wrote to make your point. And I think that happens a lot with notable Christians. And so I just, I want to make that observation that as I've been reading a lot of the tributes, it it spans the spectrum of the evangelical community. And when I say right and left leaning, the more progressive uh, Christian or the more orthodox Christian, both ends of the spectrum. And because of some of Tim Keller's statements and stances over the past few years, he got even more polarizing. Mm-hmm. He wasn't really a polarizing figure early on. And by the way, I've learned a lot from Tim Keller. So I just wanted to say that to start with. Um, again, not to be negative, even though it sounds a little negative, but to just be realistic about the picture. I don't know, what, mm-hmm. what's your thoughts on it?
0: No, it's helpful. I think, you know, like your, I think your idea is right, that when a notable Christian dies, every camp likes to try to claim them as their own. You know, Or sometimes every camp might needs to make sure that to distance themselves from someone depending on who that person is right Mm -hmm. um but i think in tim keller's case because he often tried to take i think a middle road if if we could say it that way Mm -hmm. he put himself in a position where lots of people you know have appreciated his impact and um and are and are now saying we're just so grateful for the ways that his life um yeah his life has kind of led ours and and guided Mm us so um maybe I'd like to hear, I know you wrote some, I'd like to hear just a few of the ideas. You told me that, that, uh, maybe there's things about Tim Keller's life that i might not even be aware of in terms of how it's impacted you. So, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. What would you, what what would you share in terms of his life?
1: Okay. I've got some really good things I learned from Tim Keller in many ways. And I do think, you know, when I officiate a funeral and I do the eulogy and if I even write the eulogy, that's not the time to point out all the things you disagreed with that's the time to point out all the good things about their life that you can point out similar to applying the fifth command with your parents. When your parents are aging and you want to honor them, don't point out the things they did wrong, point out all the things they did right. Hmm. Okay. So, but I'll say this, I learned from Tim Keller in many ways early on his clear clarion call for gospel clarity was just very transformative to me. Uh, just a, uh, just a laser focus on both sides of of the coin when it comes to uh, people taking the gospel the wrong way, you know, the idea that you can try to be your own God uh, by legalism or license, okay? Mm-hmm. And so there's that. Um, one of my first introductions to his ministry, though, was probably about 25 years ago, and it was an article he wrote regarding finding helpful ways to phrase biblical truth in a way that connects with people that aren't believers while you know avoiding Christianese insider words and with those who are not accustomed to those words. So trying to be careful and creative in your wording with people that aren't believers as you try to give them biblical truth. And it was, it was immensely helpful to me as I would think through even leading worship services at my former church and getting up and giving announcements and saying things to people where I knew that there were people that were unbelievers in 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 the in mm-hmm. the gathering and how to say things that it wasn't just insider wording mm-hmm. that really has has continued to impact me week by week hmm. for that many years hmm. so that was big the other thing and, and this is the other one you probably wouldn't know the rest of what I'll say you'll be like oh yeah that was great that was great the most a most impactful early introduction to his ministry was through what was called the foundation documents of the Gospel Coalition. Hmm. And he and D.A. Carson, Don Carson, wrote these together. And I remember first reading those, again, probably about 20 years ago, thinking, yes, this is it. This, what they said, yes, that. And it was just, it was a it was like a fresh theological statement on how to be gospel-centered hmm. in life and ministry. Mm-hmm. And it was very impactful to me and uh, I appreciated it
0: greatly. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's really cool to hear. What, I, what kind
1: of the what are the writings that you read of his? What books did you read of his that that impacted you? Because most people didn't go listen to his sermons. Okay, uh, they mostly read his writings.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. So how would I answer that? I, I think the first book of his I ever read when I was probably still in high school was The Reason for God. Mm-hmm. Um and a lot of people have read that. It's just uh it's a defense for, you know, mm-hmm. the existence of God and, and I couldn't even really replicate any of his arguments, but at the time it was really impactful. More recently, um, I really appreciate his book on prayer. Um mm-hmm. prayer and a short book on the resurrection. Those are mm-hmm. two that I've enjoyed a lot. Um I ha- I'm not some like great reader of Keller either. There's lots of yeah. stuff he's written that I wish I had read. I know people appreciate his marriage book, people appreciate right. his preaching book. I haven't read those. So, I'm sure mm-hmm. there's more, you know, there's more goodness, but um I would say a moment that was impactful when I think it was 2019, I actually flew out with another one of our guys at the church to go to the Gospel Coalition National Conference in Indianapolis. And he had one of the general sessions, and he was preaching from John 3 about the new birth. And it was a really, really strong sermon. Mm-hmm. That was the first—I think you, you were right. Probably more people have read his books than have listened to his sermons. That was probably the yeah. first time I've heard him preach. Mm-hmm. And it was really impactful. And um, that was probably the first time I really thought, okay, I should, I should probably give this guy yeah. you know, more attention. So grateful for that. You know, what yeah. you
1: just said is really interesting because um, now everyone's putting stuff up. And there are two things I just looked at this week. That really impacted my heart one was um, a more recent video of Keller and he said he said this he said my wife Kathy he said she said uh, when you're preaching the first you know I don't know the first half of your sermon or the first two-thirds it's like a lecture and like we're in a lecture hall we're all taking notes and it's 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 really good but then you start talking about Jesus Let's say you're, 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 you're speaking on David, but then you say, but David was a, was a type of Christ, you know, prefiguring Christ or David looked ahead to a greater King, you know, the son of David. Mm -hmm. She said, then everyone would put their pens down and just be locked in Hmm. because you were talking about Christ. And, and Keller was, was expert at, at, when he was preaching and then come to like Brian chapel on Christ centered preaching Mm -hmm. uh, Keller really followed that. Mm -hmm. And he, he would uh, always have that redemptive uh, turn near the end of the sermon on on how this shows us Christ. And many of us, you know, 20 some years ago really learned from Keller in that regard. Uh, But the other one was this, and I think this was his last recorded video he did. Mm -hmm. So if you look at it, you know, he, they had high quality videos, but you could tell he was, he was lagging and he was, he was uh, languishing, hmm. he was about to die. Hmm. But here's what he said. He used that verse from the Old Testament, he just said, are you seeking great things for yourself? Do not seek them. Hmm. And he just, he just had this great ex- exhortation to, like the pressure's off. What I took from that was, ah, everyone's dealing with that. Everyone in ministry is dealing with that. Mm-hmm. You know, anyone who has any sort of fire to preach the gospel Deals with that, mm-hmm. and it's like he just says, "Don't seek it." That was the last words. Don't seek it. Yeah. Don't seek those great things for yourself.
0: That's super good. Yeah, no, I, I'm just thinking if I sp- to pan out and think about remembering Christians, you know, who've passed away, notable Christians. I think mm-hmm. there can there can be this sense of um, a believer feeling like, well, "What is my life?" You know, mm-hmm. compared to so and so who's just passed away. I feel like I've done so little for the Lord, right. and I, you know, I feel like I just. <laughs> I haven't had any kind of an impact for Christ. And and I think that what you just said is a great reminder, even from somebody who did seem to be very used by God. Uh, yeah, God uses everybody differently according to his sovereign will. And some people have a platform that's very wide and others have a smaller impact. And you can only trust the Lord that he's doing what he's doing with your life. And, and I love it. Don't seek great things. I also always appreciate it. I think it's especially noteworthy. One of the articles that I was reading pointed this out. When somebody does attain... A platform and prominence I really appreciate reading testimonials of their life that reveal someone who seemed to have genuine integrity like real kindness humility you know um, I think in other instances some of these people who seem so notable it almost it maybe comes out after they've passed away or just in smaller ways that that as a in terms of their private life or individual interactions they were cold or closed off or something like that and it sounds like I mean we don't know him but it sounds like in Keller's case, there was a real kindness and humility and love for people. Mm-hmm. so that's always encouraging, I think
1: absolutely. I think he was a great example of a kind demeanor. Interestingly, in the last several years when he's been battling his cancer, he kind of lashed out on some people mm-hmm. online, and it was it was met with shock because they're like this, you know Keller's losing it because mm. you know he doesn't usually speak this way, but he was getting a little bit. A, a bit uh, argumentative with people sometimes online with people that he wouldn't usually engage yeah. with but i think that the aggregate is a very gracious guy now again sometimes when you're around the edges people can misunderstand you and sometimes it isn't quite clear where you stand you know but i think we can really highlight where we agreed with him you know uh, by the way just another another book the meaning of marriage a friend of mine gave me that book years ago and it kind of stayed on my shelf i didn't really there were other marriage books I was reading, and I, w- I wasn't really that interested in it. And then I read it, and I was like, wow. And the funny thing, there was one chapter that his wife wrote, and it was like the tone changed so so dramatically. It was so obvious, like hmm. she truly wrote that chapter, and hmm. I really appreciated that. Hmm. Um, but I wept the first time I read the, the line, look at you, you're radiant. I always knew you could be like this. Hmm. That That in glory, a husband and wife seeing each other for the first time in glory, is going to see the the you know the glorified version of the person that they saw in 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 the messy times, and I have to hold back t- the tears every time I shared it at a wedding ceremony. I've shared it numerous times at wedding ceremonies. Um, also, of course, the reason for God and the prodigal God uh, and other works. Um, I can't forget mentioning though the freedom of self forgetfulness. A very small thin yes, book, that book. Yep. and that was really helpful. In fact, I'm quoting. Um, that Friday morning in, yeah. in the, when yeah. I t- teach at men of the word this friday yeah. um and I would say this the, his observations through the years on the church and its social impact and cultural impact were very helpful again in recent years i didn 't agree with all his views mm-hmm. in fact, I found myself well i 'll tell you years ago he wrote a book on worship, and I disagreed with him strongly on some things there. Mm. one of them was he used he was he was okay with having unbelievers play the music in his worship services and paying them. Hmm. And I remember thinking, no, Hmm. (laughs) like whoever's up there should be like a believer, you know? Anyway, but that's that's neither here nor there uh, at this moment in time. Um, I didn't agree with all his views, especially in recent years. But but I I was truly encouraged by many of his writings. And I did respectful, uh, greatly respect his uh, what I would say, predominantly gracious tone. Hmm. So I think it's possible to learn from someone and not hang on their every word. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, but it is funny that everyone right and left loves to claim him as their own, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I think maybe just a parting shot for me, um and Mike, you could speak to this better for sure, but even as somebody who's grown up not knowing anything different, I can imagine the landscape before let's just say the gospel coalition, for example, and all of the gospel centered resources that have you know kind of uh grown out of not just Tim keller's life but but mm-hmm. many lives in this in that generation. And I can imagine how the world, you know, kind of before these things would have been somewhat different in the churches where um, I think that they were were maybe countering at the time what could have felt like a lack of gospel emphasis, that churches were treating the gospel as something that would be, you know, preached to unbelievers. But then once you're in, now your life is going to grow as you try to obey the Bible and the gospel becomes kind of a little bit sidelined. And so I think that Tim Keller and lots of other people, obviously, but they saw that and to whatever degree that was the case tried to respond by saying, no, the gospel is the beginning and the middle and the end. The gospels, it's central to everything that that's happening in the church, that everything mm-hmm. that Jesus is doing in the world. So now, you know, you think about the degree to which churches have been ac- impacted by, I think, the Reformed faith and the different online resources that have promoted that and so many helpful articles, not just about, you know, doctrine, but Christian living as well, that's flown, you know, or grown out of that. And I think that Probably uh, our churches are stronger for it, you know, in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. So,
1: absolutely, I I agree with you. Um, my parting shot would be very similar. Uh, most of all, I will remember Tim Keller for how he so clearly, and succinctly, uh, lovingly, uh, very frequently, <laughs> and and very redemptively, just kept seeking to proclaim the gospel. Mm. And and there's this line, and I'm going to paraphrase it, but this is how I this is how I say it. Yeah. Um, and this is like I think this is what he's most well known for. The gospel tells us that in Christ we are more sinful than we ever imagined. And yet at the same time, we're more loved and accepted than we ever dared hope. Hmm. And that yep. is just beautiful. Yep.
0: It is beautiful. Yeah. Amen. There's lots more that could be said and lots of people are saying lots more things. Uh, but we're going to wrap it there. So listeners, hold on. It's hopeful for you, even just maybe in hearing Mike and I process one person's life. Maybe a little bit of a template for how we would uh, how we would be able to approach any you know figure who's passed away. But uh, we thank the Lord for Tim Keller and his life, and I hope this was encouraging to you. Uh, we're thankful for you and pray for you throughout the week if you're from Grace Church. Uh, until next time, hope you have a great week serving the Lord. Uh, God bless you and have a great rest of your day.